Young women who are born-again virgins want some meaning to their physical intimacy. Young men and women who profess to hold virginity dear until their wedding nights are mocked and dismissed by their peers, teachers, and other adults. Young women who, after having children and taking six weeks of maternity leave, realize that they have to take career leave in order to properly parent and bond with their children. And young men don't know where to look for that old-fashioned girl with values. I know what you're thinking, that I'm blaming women alone for this current social mess. Well, I do put more emphasis on women because I see them as the ones with the ultimate power. What women don't allow, men can't and won't do. I learned this from my now-deceased father. He and I argued about responsibility, and he made the point that the upward or downward trend of the morals and morale of a culture was dependent upon what women did and permitted. He believed that men, or rejected by women, would not continue the behavior that got them rejected in the first place. From the womb, mother, to the vagina, sex, he said. Men are judged and approved of by women. Men behave badly when women accept it. Simple as that. In my then-feminist mode, I argued bitterly with his point of view, angry that he was blaming women for men's bad behavior. Now I have come to see that he wasn't blaming, he was explaining, and he was right. The feminist movement has become hostile to heterosexual relationships in general, marriage, mothering, modesty, and religious values in particular. Young women are surrounded by this liberal muck and are stumbling around relationships grateful for the morning after pill and the abortion pill to get them out of one jam after another. Years later, I get the letters of shame and regret. Our children lack direction because we adults have lost direction, and the lost adults get older and older. One of the more frequent subjects callers to my radio program seem to be struggling with is errant grandparents. Can you believe it? Young married couples with children call me wondering what to do with their shacking up and or affair leading parents. Should we let them see the kids? Should their honey be introduced to the kids? How do we work family holidays? And so forth. Man, oh man, it's all just falling apart. The role models are dropping. Age is not bringing wisdom anymore. Decency is under attack from everywhere. Yet ultimately, people come to understand that what they need is a warm, happy, secure nest. Susan wrote to my website, www.drlaura.com, that it is the truth from the past that brings us back to what is good and true about life and love. She writes, I met my prospective husband in July and married him in September. My mother had always told me, be sure you know a man through all four seasons before you marry him, and boy, was she right. Three months is nowhere near long enough to discover someone's character. My now ex-husband claimed to have left some very nasty habits behind him when we started dating, but as I said, three months isn't long enough to see the truth. Within two weeks of our wedding, he returned to using marijuana, which he had claimed to have quit for good. A little over a year later, two months after the birth of our son, he returned to using heroin, which he claimed he had been clean from for quite a few years. Apparently, marriage and fatherhood were too much for him to cope with, and the only coping tools he knew were drugs. She continues, I am sadder and wiser. My wonderful second husband and I knew each other for several years before we even started dating, both of us believing that a good relationship is a good basis for a good marriage. 
Through friendship, we were able to really get to know each other's character long before that tricky little devil, lust, got in the way of our clear judgment. Dr. Laura, I teach both my sons, now 10 and 22, that anything truly important for a long-term successful marriage can be learned through good, solid friendship even before a first kiss takes place. That's when you can still think with your brains instead of your libido. I also tell them, know someone through all four seasons before you marry them. Hmm, where have I heard that before? Grateful for the contributions of my 20 million listeners via calls, emails, faxes, and letters, I offer this book as a guide for those four fateful seasons. Stupid Secrets. The first issue to think about when deciding what to tell is to be able to distinguish between secrecy and privacy. This is not a small issue or insignificant distinction at all. I recently asked my listening audience their opinions and experiences with secrecy and privacy in intimate relationships and got the largest and most immediate response I ever received to an on-air question. Here are some of those responses. Privacy is something you give someone out of respect. Secrecy is something you withhold from another. For spouses to be secretive, they would also have to be separative. Secrecy builds lack of trust reservation, guarded intimacy of the heart, and resentment, all of which lead to bitterness. Private is personal only to the individual and should not include anything that affects in any way both parties or the family. Here's another. Privacy is something we value within ourselves. It is something we decide a little at a time to share. My thoughts are private and I will choose to share bits and pieces. Secrets are wrong if they promote dishonesty, distrust, and compromise morals or integrity. Here's yet another. Privacy is having some quality time or spiritual time alone. I think secrecy in a marriage is a form of deceit. And finally, privacy is using the bathroom, especially when smell is involved, plucking your eyebrows, picking your nose, popping zits. I'm not kidding. They wrote me this. All the ugly little things that are bad enough doing yourself let alone being involved with your spouse. Secrecy is not telling your spouse about a special surprise for them. Definitely not something which would hurt the marriage or the spouse. Whenever I receive a call about telling something to an intimate, the issue of what is private and what is secret is always the first part of the discussion. I not only want people to have integrity in their treatment of others, but it is vitally important for their well-being that they have compassion for themselves and maintain reasonable dignity. Too many folks seem to believe that they have to fillet themselves wide open on the cutting board of their new relationships in order truly to be cleansed. These are the folks who have no sense of personal privacy at all. Others are filled with so much self-disgust that they want to hold everything in for fear that there is no forgiveness and no moving on. These are the folks for whom absolutely everything becomes a secret. Being able to accept one's limitations, historical warts and problems, while being willing to risk truly being known by another is a definite sign of positive mental and emotional health, without which quality relationships are just not possible. There are flawed and sad elements in everyone's life, and there are people with profound insecurities. These are the people who have to know everything you're doing, saying, thinking, reading, writing, and with whom. 
If they don't have this constant reassurance of information, their attempt to control the world and make themselves safe, they immediately imagine the worst and exaggerate and misinterpret everything and anything, leaving a wake of arguments and frustration. Our cultural environment propels otherwise reasonably secure and well-meaning people to question the sincerity and fidelity of their dates, fiancés, and spouses like never before in history. Why? The answer is as simple as it is destructive. The general societal approval of out-of-wedlock sex has led to an epidemic of experimentation, casual sex, promiscuity, and a diminished meaning of physical intimacy. This produces a long line of prior lovers who are still present at work, still present in the community and families, or who just can't let go. Pop Psych has called much of infidelity and promiscuity and perversion a disease. Men and women are ignoring their families to have Internet affairs because of an addiction. Men and women are cavorting with extra-relational dalliances because of an addiction. This puts the victim of bad, selfish behavior in the position of being unsympathetic to their philandering partner's illness. Oh, police! Our culture has supported the moment-to-moment -moment quest of immediate satisfaction and gratification by making divorce no fault and by saying shacking up is equivalent to marriage. This pushes people away from the marital vows that historically would have offered security. But now the social pressure is for individuality at the expense of vows, spouses, children, marriage, and community. The family courts do not support the sanctity of marriage, nor do they recognize the absolute needs and welfare of children. Spouses can up and leave for virtually no good reason, take the children 3,000 miles away, shack up with one or more new sex partners, and still retain status as good parents. Rome is burning, and most people are getting scalded, yet 